I am the tech worker, but also I'm like, I'm a black woman in tech. Yes. It's everything MLK died for. Like, yeah. don't <laughs> get it twisted. I'm like, I like, please. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler. So usually we wait until our second or third segment to interview guests on this show, but today we are so excited, we just can't wait. (laughs) What do we have, Emmanuel? I'm glad you asked. We're here with one half of the super successful podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, Aminat Tussauds. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being you and existing and being in this room with us. Bloody podcast royalty here. Um, Okay. This room is very exciting right now. (laughs) I'm very happy to be here. It made me really happy when you reached out to me because obviously I love public media and public radio. But it makes me really sad sometimes, you know, that the voices yeah. are very old, very mm-hmm. white, yes. sometimes not very relevant. Yeah. My bad. But, you know, it's like the new wave is here. Yeah. We are like riding the wave. So that makes me really excited. We are here. We are trying. So as someone who knows the land of podcasting and we're newbies, what kind of tips do you have for us as we embark on this journey? <laughs> It's an interview question, but it's also a very practical question. Uh, you know, my first tip is usually don't drink. <laughs> don't drink near the equipment. The thing that's really exciting to me about podcasting right now is that one, it's really intimate, but it's also this venue where people can really pursue their curiosity and be as creative as they want to be and and be themselves without this pressure of, you know, like producing written words. I'm convinced that like writing is over very soon. <laughs> that's that's my future prediction. I want to write a young adult novel about this. I'm like when the writing stopped. Um I'd read that. The irony is thinking are we gonna write it? Yes. <laughs> you know, but I don't know. It's the be, you know, like be consistent, have some stamina, have a point of view. You guys are the experts. Just do it. Just do it. Podcasting, just do it. I'm really curious to know like why you started Call Your Girlfriend. So, you know, for us I think it was twofold. One, our producer, Gina Delvac, um, comes from the world of public radio. She's wonderful and great, and she had always been pitching this to us, to Anne and I. To think about doing it. and Shout out it, to Anne Friedman. Also. Shout out Anne Friedman, who is like roasting in Los Angeles right now. <laughs> um, but I think that for me, too, it was I, like I think like some bro somewhere told me that like only, you know, like it's like a male hobby. Mm. And you say that to me. And, and like, challenge <laughs> accepted. Exactly. You know, it was some like, oh, like men do this in their garages because they have so much patience and what and so many like, garages. I'm like, please. And I, I've been listening. I am a like power fan of uh, This American Life. I've been listening to it forever and ever, and it's obviously great. But I, I also wanted something that, you know, had like a little levity that was fun and that was representative of who we were. And it started off as this like fun, you know, side project for both of us. And we, have I think, have been really surprised at how well received it's been and just... Um, all the people who reach out to us and tell us that they have ideas to do things and we're just like just go just go and run with it it's Mm -hmm. so fun it's like medium easy (laughs) (laughs) I don't know you know it's fun it um, and it mirrors the relationship that a lot of people have I think that it's really important to have um, public female relationships and just kind of show that there are different models for that and it's not this like 
weird cat fight that everybody tries mm-hmm, to show. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm like, I've never been in those kinds of relationships that p- you see on TV all the Loving time. Loving hip hop and yeah, housewives. You know, <laughs> and housewives whatever. or even mean girls or, you know, I'm yeah. just like this. I, yeah. And so that was really frustrating to me. I'm like, actually, all of the women that I know, and I roll deep in ladies, are <laughs> very supportive and are um, really nice to each other and, you know, like cool and really successful. And I was like, well, why does nobody talk about this stuff like that? You know, that drives me crazy. And then you have the other the other thing where um, there's just this like all of this vocabulary for talking about romantic relationships, especially in this heteronormative kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I think that people forget the intimacy of friendship, you know, and how you actually don't have to be like partnered with someone in that way to still to love them and to explore all these different things. And yeah. that's, you know, that's kind of part of our that's part of our jam. I love what you said oh. about like representation of female friendship, because it really irritated me how critics, particularly male critics, kind of acted as if female friendship on screen particularly got invented with the movie Bridesmaids oh my god (laughs) like it was some revelation that Ah. women do have these relationships that aren't necessarily about tearing each other's hair out right but I think that that's really telling it's like it's the men that are surprised by it whereas the rest of us are like yes like finally like finally this is what we're dying for and and Bridesmaids is an amazing movie I can't tell you how many times I've seen it with so many different girlfriends but there's so many more contexts than that Mm -hmm. you know and there's so many more stories to be told and it is really frustrating that it's you only ever get like one shot at representation according to white Hollywood men. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of female friendship, I was reading a Q&A you did with Of A Kind. Yes. And uh, one of the pieces that I really loved is you talked about a piece of advice that a friend had given you. And you talked about, I think it was Lena Dunham told you. She said something about making sure that when you receive criticism from people that you respect, that you really absorb it. And you don't just um, write it off as sort of like hate. Yeah, you know, I think that that's that's really important. Like Lena is obviously somebody who is really public and, is you know, she's out there and she does all of this amazing work and and also takes a lot of, you know, criticism from a lot of different sides. Because guess what? People have a lot of opinions when you're a young woman creating things. Um, but, you know, I think that that's something in her work ethic that I really appreciate. And it's something that she is really vocal about is that. You know, sometimes it's some people want to tear you down, but sometimes people say things that you should be really open and receptive to. Um, Anne Friedman, my um, my co-host for Call Your Girlfriend, also has this hater matrix. This is how you receive criticism, right? It's like, what quadrant are people in? Are they trying to, like, tear you down? <laughs> are they irrelevant? Or are they really people that you should listen to? And I think that it, you know... It takes like being humble and it takes also just like wanting to learn and wanting to move forward. But I think that that's um, that's something that a lot of my a quality that a lot of my close friends have that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. And just a quick note about Anne Friedman's uh, like pictorial representations of stuff. I have been a longtime fan of Anne Friedman's writing yes. and her pie charts separately, but I didn't know the pie charts were made by Anne Friedman. Same woman. Despite the fact that she has www.annefriedman.com at the bottom of every pie I miss that fact. Not to be confused with um, Anne Friedman, the wife of Thomas Friedman. (laughs) New York Times writer. That reminds me of the other Aminatou So. Wait. Can can you talk to us about... Oh, explain. (laughs) Explain. You stole her web address. Whatever. This (laughs) this conversation got real, real fast. So (laughs) 
Ami Natu Haidar so is um, a Western Sahara activist. Western Sahara mm-hmm. is this, I guess, parcel of land next to Morocco that Morocco won't let be great. Mm-hmm. They're they put that on the hater matrix. Like, no, exactly. Where does right? that fall? Like, Western Sahara is like, give us our own country. Uh, it's not happening. But so anyway, you know, this woman and I have been duking it out for who's going to rise at the top of the SEO crop. Ouch. And, you know, that lady be going to jail every once in a while because she's an activist. So I will say I have won this round. Yeah. <laughs> but shout out to Western Sahara activists everywhere. <laughs> yes. Some people who are searching for her right now are finding this podcast episode and they're like, oh, she made it to San Francisco. Okay. You know her. what happens every once in a while? Like some Italian person will tweet at me like, more power to you. And I'm like, oh, I'm like wrong, wrong, one. wrong one, wrong one, wrong Keep one. Keep moving. Whenever um, people like, hate on you know like people of color for having hard names i'm always like we have great seo under these names you can hate my name all you want like i pop up on page one so you know (laughs) i was going to ask you that because i noticed when i started looking you up that sometimes you go by aminatu and Mm -hmm. sometimes you go by amina and i'm jamidra and i go by jamie sometimes that's like my bartender slash starbucks slash you know when i was in my early 20s name starbucks really I went through a time in my early 20s when I was very much like, Mom, why did you give me the name Jamidra? Like, I have to put it on a resume. And I was afraid of how I would be perceived. I didn't know that you were uncomfortable with your name. Well, now I'm at a point where it's just kind of like, this is me. You need to accept it. You see the hair. You see the name. Whatever. That's awesome. Um, But when I was younger, I very much was like, okay, well, people are going to judge me based on this. Yeah, you know, like for me, I think it's a... It, I, I totally identify with that. Like, I, I'm originally from Guinea and West Africa. We grew up in Nigeria and in France. When I was growing up, I went to, like, really fancy private French schools, and I went to American schools. But the whole, you know, it's like, the experience of living in Africa surrounded by white people is also, like, a very weird one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that there is, especially when I was growing up, and I can track this even through my other siblings and knowing that we were so aware of our blackness and we were so aware of our Africanness. Mm-hmm. And I think that even when I moved to the United States, I because I don't identify as African-American. I'm not. I mm-hmm. you know I know I sound like a California Valley girl. Shout out. English is second language for me. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere. But, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I like I'm like African, African for mm-hmm. real. And even in that context, there was always when I first moved here, I know, you know, I was very I was hyper aware of like, ah, you know, like African-Americans are the cool blacks. And then the category. Yeah. And I mean, and honestly, like in Europe, that's how they make us feel. Right. It's like Mm -hmm. Josephine Baker is the jam. But every, you know, like African immigrants are like treated really poorly. And so I was I was really aware of that. And part of the reason for me, at least in English speaking context, that I started going as Amina is mostly because I was annoyed at people saying my name wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, they're always like. It's too hard. And I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) It's in fact, you know, but I think that it also just takes being a little bit more confident in who you are. And, you know, like Mary J. Blair says, we're all on a journey Mm -hmm. and (laughs) you get there. And now I kind of I regret a little bit like being a wuss about it earlier. I I wish I really wish that I had been more forceful about it. In my family, I, I have even a diminutive name, which is like part of our Fulani culture, like where I'm from. And so. Having people call me by different names doesn't offend me as much anymore. I just wish that I had really stuck by my guns with those those people in college who were saying my name wrong. When I went to college for the first semester, I was embarrassed about my name. People would always get it wrong. Wait, what part of your name? I was like, Emmanuel. I just don't, I didn't like it. How would, who gets Emmanuel wrong? People are awful. (laughs) 
<laughs> they're so unable to do this. Emmanuel's like thing. a top ten like Bible name. Like who yeah. doesn't know how to say? It's, it's in, like <laughs> a Christmas carol. It's not the book, but like a one generic is, like carol. You sing it. Yeah. Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, which everyone would laugh in school because oh, because it sounds sexy. Anna, but I didn't get it at the time because I wasn't yeah. sexual. So I was like, <laughs> little did they know how you'd blossom. So I just kept like looking around and be like, you guys are losers. Like it's my name. Who cares? And they're just like, you'll get it in like five years. Yeah. You're so slow. Why were you the younger kid in the class full of older, sexually mature kids singing this joke at you? Oh, they're just white kids and I was from an immigrant family and we were not allowed to date or leave our house and stuff like that. Shout so out, was like immigrant parents. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for everything. Thanks for everything. <laughs> Please pay my therapist bill. <laughs> One time at a Starbucks, I said, Emmanuel, it comes back and they keep saying this name and I'm like, I don't know what that is and where's my coffee and whatever. And they wrote it. Baniel. B-A-N-I-E-L. It's like... Kids are so oh, stupid. But the Starbucks, like, really, the star... They will just take it there with the names. They will just make yeah. something up. Can I tell you my Starbucks story, though? Yeah, mm-hmm. please do. So, I was living in New York City. Across the street from my work, there's star... I drink, like, four coffees a year because my body can't handle it. But I go to, like, I'm a big fan of whatever that tea cooler thing at Starbucks mm. is. I go to Starbucks. I, like, I order my tea. I'm clearly say my name is Amina or some very you know like right. whatever or whatever name I give them I get I get the thing I go back to work and my coworker is like what does it say on your cup <laughs> y'all it said ebony on the cup oh, oh no. no 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 so she annoyed. looks like an ebony I was so annoyed and I had this like moment where I was like okay if I tweet this right now, I could be living in like free Starbucks for the rest of my <laughs> like I can start a minor incident, right? But I wanted to make sure that the person who had served me was white because otherwise I'm not comfortable yeah. like narking on someone else. Mm-hmm. So I like did a drive by by the Starbucks <laughs> and they were racially ambiguous, all of those kids. I, and I was like, I want to shame it. Starbucks, but you know, I'm like, uh. these kids could be family. And <laughs> That was really hard for me. I was like, we could have had free Starbucks for the rest of our lives. The inner struggle, the decisions we make. I know. And I was like, are you kidding me? Ebony. 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 That is so cold-blooded. Ebony. Of, like anything uh, I tell you. And they're all kids. No. You know what? Aww. It's okay. Aww. I took one for the team that day. So switching gears away from Starbucks, I was reading this interview that you did with The Gentlewoman. Wow, you've been reading a lot of. I went me. back. I went way back. <laughs> I, I should probably Google my. Yeah, it's all been so creepy. Out there. Oh boy, we kept getting this other woman, this activist. <laughs> Listen, if she would just chill out, she could, she could have been here. She could have been a podcast could've mogul too. Yeah, we would have welcomed her. <laughs> so in that interview, you were talking about moving here and how you weren't sure how you felt about it, and that you missed Brooklyn, and it's been here is in San Francisco. Here is yeah. in okay. San Francisco, and it's been a while. So I was wondering. How do you feel about San Francisco now? And yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> just a deep breath. Be okay, honest. Deep breath. Something happened to me in the last three weeks where I feel a little less anxiety about San Francisco. Hmm. I moved here to work at a big tech company. And, um, you know, I think that for kind of for the first time in my career, I was working in the dominant industry in the town that I lived in. And that was really hard for me in a way that I hadn't anticipated. It's like when I lived in D.C., I worked in and around politics, but not necessarily. I worked in New York and I got to like work in media and do different stuff. But also those places are bigger and they're bigger communities. I think that I moved here and just got thrown into, you know, being a technology worker. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those people that I would like get on the shuttle and go to the South Bay every day and 
that was really hard for me. And uh, I think, too, that I really underestimated how far away California is from my family. You know, like, it's, yeah. I added, like, six more hours to, to you know, from, from everybody that I loved. And then the, the time zones, it's like talking to my siblings is almost nearly impossible. You know, some of it was just, like, being a baby and moving, and I hadn't quite anticipated these things. But I think that, honestly, like, just being thrown into being a tech worker and not really encountering people of color. Like, San Francisco is white in a way that is really creepy. Mm-hmm. Like, unlike a lot of other places that I've, you know, I'm like, I like I am very familiar with, like, living around a lot of white people, and it usually doesn't bother me. But there's something about it here specifically that is very eerie. You're very aware. Um, yeah, you're very aware, and it's, like, the same kind of human everywhere you go. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know, and then working in tech and just honestly always have to... S- surmount like being the only woman being the only woman of color and always you know Mm -hmm. just having to prove yourself day in and day out that takes a a toll on you that I think is really hard also San Francisco is weird it's just like a really you know it's a a really weird city you can um, even in the almost uh, you know like in the year and a half that I've been here so much has changed already Mm -hmm. and seeing that you know the city be so expensive and not be welcoming to to um to people who want to work in the arts or want to work in nonprofits and fostering like different kinds of cultures that's something that to me has been really hard to witness you know and and knowing that I'm part of the problem I'm wondering how you're handling this idea that you are the tech person because there's a lot of emotion behind like tech workers are coming and I'm wondering like how that feels for you because you recognize that it's happening but you're also sort of people would categorize you so like you know I'm like I am the tech worker, but also mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm a black woman in tech. Yes. It's everything MLK died for. Like, yeah. don't get it twisted. <laughs> I'm like, I right, like, please. T-shirts, uh, I am everything MLK died for. Can exactly. You, print that so it's, you know, like, I feel bad, but I think that um, there's something about that that just makes me really sad. Watching people not be super engaged with their city, you know, and, and not really be good neighbors or even know how to engage and how there's such a divide in San Francisco between locals and the technology workers. And I don't think that it has to be that way, you know? I'm like, I I know a lot of people who work in tech who do amazing things and give back to their communities, but I think that the the companies are seen as such, like, adversaries, and mm-hmm. and it's been going on for so long, and we're just getting to a point where everybody is pointing fingers and mm-hmm. is really is really upset at each other, and I, I don't know how to get back to that. But I, I think that it's weird that you just have this town that is run by, like, baby millionaires, who, like, don't do any philanthropy. They don't give to the arts. And I'm like, you have Medici money now. Like, you, guys, you know, like, like, I'm sorry. This part of the social contract. You got to use your money for good things. I can't even imagine, you know, for, for working in a media company, period, usually if you're a person of color, you're probably in the minority. And then there's a lot of talk about the tech companies and what their stats are as far as hiring people of color. So going into work every single day, how do you prepare for that? And how do you just deal with the fact that, yes, I'm going to be the brown voice in the room or I'm going to be the black voice in the room? I mean, it's it's really hard, right? But I'm sad to say that, one, we're kind of all used to it <laughs> because whatever industry you're coming from, if, you know, like you're a brown person, like you, you're used to being the only. Mm-hmm. I... You know, it's like I look at those diversity numbers and they're so shameful. Like they're li- like they're just the most shameful things in the world it's like hi you hired a thousand people seven of them were black um you know i won't yeah. name the company you can google it yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> research um, your friend 
you know, and and seeing a lot of the like the civil rights leaders are like pushing them to disclose and seeing what they're disclosing. It's the numbers are abysmal, and it's not just it's not even just minorities. Like the women numbers are shameful. Mm-hmm. That women in you know like women managers that you have are really shameful. And and they always tell you all of this stuff about how it's you know they have a pipeline issue problem or mm. but it's even if you look at just the population of the Bay Area those numbers are not representative of the people who are capable to be there and but at the same time it is really tough to feel like you as you know like as the brown person or you know the black person you always have to be speaking out about it and for me like I try to push back a lot and you know and I'm like. I don't know. This is not. I'm like. I'm not going to single handedly solve this problem. Like you should solve it. I think anybody who has hiring power in the Bay Area is responsible for this problem. Mm-hmm. You know, in our industry, but they shouldn't pat themselves on the back. It is really shameful. They've been reporting them. I think two years running now, and nothing has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, these are. This is like our, our like nation's like best minds, and we're solving these like incredible problems through engineering. You're trying to tell me you can't find like. I don't know, like a couple more women and a couple more like people of color to work at your company. That's ridiculous. What would you tell women who are thinking about getting into tech? I tell them that it's hard, but like be here because people are building amazing things. You know, like they're amazing things are happening. And it's like, don't let yourself get left behind because they don't want you here. And I that that's been the thing that's been really striking to me. I've met some of the smartest people, some of the coolest people just doing some wonderful work here. And it breaks my heart that some people think that it's not accessible to them. Since we are a pop culture podcast, it seems like the perfect time to ask you about movie star Jennifer Lawrence's recent essay. J-Law, yes. For Lena Dunham's <laughs> Lenny Letter which is fantastic. And if anyone hasn't read it, then they should go and read it. And just to praise it a little, she uh, talks about how the Sony email hack, the email dump that uh, came out of that big hack, revealed that she, as a woman on the set of American Hustle, the David O. Russell movie, earned so much less than her male mm-hmm. co-stars. Mm-hmm. And she she found out about it at the... Like at the same time that we all did as well, and I can't imagine what that must have been like. And so she wrote this essay about how what that felt like, and that she said she she felt like she'd failed as a negotiator, essentially that she'd failed other women, essentially. Yeah. And I'm guessing that you've read that too. What was your instant reaction to that? You know, I really identified with that on a on a gut level <laughs> because you know I'm like obviously I'm not making Jennifer Lawrence type money. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but, what? But this, you know, but the sentiment is the same, right? Where you, it's like you look at the statistics and you realize that, like, yes, women are really underpaid. Like, mm-hmm. it's real. But it's also really hard sometimes not to internalize, and this is why the patriarchy sucks. It's because it makes you feel that it's your fault. And I think oh, that my sure. reaction to a lot of that letter was. Is I heard her shoulder a lot of the blame, you know, when I went to be like, no, like you are yes, not the yes, problem. Yes. Like, yes, you were not a strong negotiator, but it's also crazy that you're offered so much less money than your um, than your male counterparts. And and I do wish that she had been a little more forceful and I wish that she had, you know, it, it sucks because she's the public one. And so we kind of expect, you know, like we expect her to use her platform to be more forceful about these issues. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you know, she, she has to work with all these people Mm -hmm. again. And even when you, if you're a woman and, you know, you try to be a shark and you ask or whatever, you still, you still have to sugarcoat it a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And you have to, you know, you either have to use humor or, 
or be apologetic about it or you know like you're you're just trying to find out like what the thing is and and I think that that's a double-edged sword. But Don't I'm, you dare not be likable. I feel like back in the day, I used to have this reputation of kind of being a pushover because mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm a Libra. I'm just like, I, let, let's all just like be chill with each yeah. other. Um, and there have been moments where, you know, ages ago, a boss took me aside before a meeting and was like, what are your ideas? What are you going to say to like the people above us? And yeah. I gave all my ideas and then he took them and used them. And what? I did, and I didn't say oh, anything. Uh, Does it haunt you? Because when moments like that hmm. happen and I don't, don't say anything, it haunts me. I mean, I'm talking about fantasies. it right now. Years oh, later. on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. Revenge fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm coming for you. I call you know what I call those Allie McBeal moments. You know how she used to just zoom out and she'd be like throwing some over. She just over goes table. into her avatar yes. and she's like murder time. God, I used to love that. Yeah, you know, I mean that. Yeah, that that is really tough. And I think that it's just tied into you know it's tied into a lot of it's tied into a lot of stuff for us. It's like one, if you don't come from a background where you know you were taught to be really assertive or. Just really know yourself. Like, that's one thing. But I think, too, that, you know, as, like, children of immigrants, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, you know, like, being in the workplace is tough because you, you're, you like, taught at home to revere people and to, you know, really defer to your, your elders or whatever. And, then, and it's always like, oh, you're really lucky if you succeeded. And, like, the entitlement that I see in some of my peers right. was not ingrained in me. I'm just, like, always surprised that I'm places. Yeah. Surprised yeah, and thrilled too. when you get yeah. started. Right? And I don't know. It's I saw Minnie Kaling talk about this at Sundance. And it was so amazing on this panel where, you know, because people always ask her. They're always like, how are you so confident? Because why would a brown woman be confident, mm-hmm. right? And I love how she always shuts them down. And she was like, you know, honestly, it was all my parents. She's like, I live my life like I'm a handsome, tall, like, Scandinavian. <laughs> I read that <laughs> And I was, that like, was that's, I was like, that's, like, thank you. And ever since, like, hearing her say that and just kind of really owning it, I think that, you know, it's like you just have to, you just have to run with it and never have to explain yourself all of the time. But, yeah, it's like you see other people be really entitled and sometimes they're very mediocre. And I'm like, God. Yeah. I have a quote. Okay, so one of my favorite podcasts, other than Call Your Girlfriend, is Another Round with Heaven and yes, Tracy. they're so good. So they had an episode in which they, I cannot remember her name and I wish I could, in which they brought in uh, the woman who heads up. She's in Stacey charge of. Marie yes. Stacey is like the boss of oh all Oh, my bosses. gosh. And so one of the quotes, my favorite quotes from that show was, carry yourself with the confidence of a mediocre white yep. man yep. and she talks Stacy talked about when she the hiring process and how she's a woman of color in charge she's in charge of hiring and she talked about the difference between men and women mm-hmm. and how they present their accomplishments and women will say well you know I, I worked on this thing and I contributed to this project and you know I did this I kind of sort of helped in that and men will walk in and be like I built that whole thing by myself <laughs> yeah. I'm responsible yeah. for you know what I mean it's just yeah. like a different way in which we communicate how we've accomplished something and we we don't yeah. really it is really tough it's like especially for me when I look at my career you know like I obviously like work in tech I make really good money but it's like when I think about where I come from you know my like my my grandma got married when she was 13 she had oh one million children mm-hmm. I made by the time I was like 25 I was making more money than both of my parents ever made combined you know yeah. where I come from it's like I am popping. Okay. But, you know. <laughs> story. But it, it's, it's this thing where, yeah, talking about money is, it is really, it's really tough. Every time I'm negotiating for a job or I'm asking, sometimes I'll hear these numbers and I just, I'm like, ah, like, I'm just happy to be here. Yes. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here and the fact that I didn't die of malaria when I was five, you know, like that, like for where I come from, like for me, like that is, 
That is huge. So how do you push past that? So for women who are out there and they're like, I want to negotiate, and they're hearing these voices in their head about just be, you just be happy that you're here. Just be grateful that you're here. Practice. Fake it till you make it. Yes. Practice. Have a practice. No, I honestly, when I um, do salary negotiations, I have a script. I practice them in my mirror all the time. <laughs> just like tell, tell yourself over and over and over and over and over again. And also... You know, like when you if you are somebody that's in power enough or you are established enough that you can do that for somebody who is younger than you or coming up and just really kiss down and invest in them. Mm-hmm. Always remember to just like give them that boost like you never you just I remember one time being in this meeting at work where I thought I did not belong. It was really early in my career and it was like our VP was there and all these people. And, you know, like. Literally, this, like, black man appeared out of nowhere. I was like, this is like an Ikea ad. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, you belong here. And then just, like, moved along. You know, and he was the only other, like, person of color in the room. And that, like, meant so much to me. It meant so, you know, like, not to say that the burden is always on you to, like, reach out to people. But I think that, you know, for Anne and I, like, something that has been really important in our careers and even in the way that we do our podcast and carry ourselves is... It's just this, like, reminder to, like, extend a hand down. It's like, Mm -hmm. kiss down. Don't kiss up. It's like, yes, you'll always have opportunities to, like, kiss up to people. But really remember, you know, like, the people who are up and coming. Because it's so, like, also, like, you know, the way the economy is going, those people are going to be hiring me one day. So, (laughs) if anything, be mindful of that. That's your boss right there. That is your boss. So the main takeaways from a lot of what we talked about. Highlights. Kiss down, don't kiss up. Mm-hmm. I love Amazing. That. We should listen to Rihanna, Bitch Better Have My Money More. And if you don't like that song to pump you up before a negotiation, you should listen to Walk Like an Egyptian, but think of it as Walk Like an Anglo-Saxon. Uh, oh, that's good. I like what you did there. Yeah, yeah no. that's some wordplay. Okay. That's so. good. I love that. That's also like the first time the bangles have been shouted out. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out bangles. Yeah, exactly. Shout out Finally, music. someone is considering <laughs> the bangles. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> okay, so we, when we interviewed Kamal Bell at our live event, we had some pop culture debates that we wanted him to settle. And okay. I'm going to ask you some of those. I'm going to settle everything. So, okay. did Adnan do it? <gasps> I don't think I can go on the record on this. <laughs> <laughs> you can pass if you need to. Yo, I still have nightmares about this. Yeah. I Wait, grew up in Baltimore, mess- like miles away Yo. from this. So, Making I know the pop? Best Buy. I was waking up at 3 a.m. Pacific so I could catch the <laughs> podcast, like, drop mm-hmm. at 6 a.m. <sighs> this is, this is going to stress me out. The last episode I was the first time where I felt like I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But here's what I will say. Even if Adnan did do it, he should not be in jail. Hello. There you go. There you go. That's the consensus. That's, you know. Mistrial. Yeah. Prison reform for Adnan. Yeah. Even if he did do it. There's no receipts. That's the big takeaway. Prison reform. It was the bit where Sarah Koenig said, if he didn't do it, he's the unluckiest man Mm -hmm. on earth. I know. It was like literally in the last 30 seconds, I changed my mind. And I was like, oh my gosh. But you know, we we don't know. Also, Asia McLean. Asia. Asia McLean, crazy. Jay is crazy. (laughs) So I used to stalk Jay on Facebook before (laughs) the rest of the world was on top of his Facebook. Because Reddit got on top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, all y'all, like, internet detectives ruining my game. But, Um, man. And also, it's like, the first thing that I did when I heard all of Serial was call my brother, who's a little younger than me. And I was like, don't do any drugs. Don't kill anyone. Because the thing that was so crazy to me is how... 
it and I feel that Serial did not like they didn't expand on it so much. It's like all these kids are like high at a party mm-hmm. and they literally don't know what happened. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is gonna turn me into a Republican. <laughs> I was like, no, no yeah, more yeah. drugs. <laughs> yeah, the opening, it was just like, what did you do last week? Uh I don't know. Yeah, I keep a meticulous yeah. Google calendar because of that. I'm like, I'm yes. sorry. Like since before your alibi. I, like, oh yeah, no, alibi. I, I used to, I, because one a long time ago in the New York Times, still a long time ago, like a couple of years ago, I read the story about this woman who um her boyfriend was like some catfish person who told her that he was like a cop but really he was a con artist oh. and then because of him she ended up going to jail and she couldn't prove any of the places that she was and so i she remember reading that story i'm like phone. telling the story so wrong but like my one takeaway from that story was use a credit card everywhere every mm-hmm. time i was like checking into places I've used- yeah i also like you know i'm like i'm a single lady nobody's gonna accuse me of a crime yes. i'm like i have receipts for every day yes. of my life yes, that is and smart. so when i was listening to that on serial that first opening when she's like what were you doing last tuesday i'm like i can tell you exactly where i mm-hmm. was like i don't play oh my games. god i think you're actually the answer to you know mitch hedberg the comedian he has this routine about how you know when you buy a donut and they say do you want the receipt he's like whoever asks the, for the receipt you don't need this it girl, like, now take Everything. We just solved it like 20 years later. R.I.P. That's who. Okay, can I ask a question that is a burning question? Yes. Instagram model. <gasps> Legitimate profession or no? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is killing me because yesterday I legit wrote down a taxonomy of the Instagram model. Okay, please. Can, oh, I can you say ho this. on public radio? Sure. Okay. I think that 2015 is the year of the hoe. Like, the hoes are winning in 2015 in a way that, like, nobody's noticing. I'm just like, hoes are back. Like, in a big way. And I'm, like, it is not derogatory. I think that's amazing. Like, video vixens, like, everybody's back. I think that Instagram model is a legit profession because guess what? They all have supplementary incomes. So here's my taxonomy. You have the model, DJ slash bartender. Mm-hmm. That's like its own thing. There's anybody in the love and hip hop slash basketball wives universe. Yes. Like okay. they're kind of their own things. You have the art ho, H E A U X. Then you have the like workout models. There's like all these girls that are just like working out. Then there are like people who are married slash about to marry um, rappers or Kevin Hart. Um, that like it's Kevin like Hart is his own category. Kevin Hart is his own category, and I mean, like, I love it. I like, I love it. I was like, th- this is my favorite thing in the whole world. When an Instagram model has a hoverboard, that's like the yes. like, ultimate everything for me. <laughs> and they keep falling off them. That's <laughs> the best uh, thing about them. I'm so happy. But I think it's a legit job. I'm like, okay. I'm sorry. It's like, have you seen those selfies? Yes. Also, the butt selfies, belfies. I'm like, Ooh. I can't do that. <laughs> it takes talent. I'm like, I can't. That does take talent. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Belfie sounds like a name, like Sir Humphrey Belfie. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Humphrey of the butt selfies. <laughs> a butt share. Okay, next debate. Uh oh. Why did Solange go Mortal Kombat on Jay Z in the elevator? <gasps> Yo, I don't know that we can talk about this. <laughs> They're it's, listening. They're, they have not this room safe. bugged. You know, um, we will never know. Mm-hmm. All that matters is that they're a happy family now. Aww. Give them all the best. 
I, like, I'm not trying to get the Bayhive to come after me. Yeah. So you are is, smart. You are smart. This is, this is not in my repertoire of things to talk about. <laughs> also, whatever Solange did, she was justified. Jay-Z has forgiven her. The family's okay. Mm. Yes. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I will talk about anybody, but, like, they, like you cannot <laughs> play the agency. Okay. Last episode, Carly and I had a duel. We did. Uh-huh. It was Taylor Swift related. Mm-hmm. I know okay. you're a Swifty. Back I'm a Swifty with an open mind. Yeah. <laughs> So we went back and forth with lyrics. I had good lyrics, what I thought were good lyrics. She had what she thought was bad lyrics, and Jamidra judged. I had what I thought were underperforming lyrics. Wait, are you saying that Taylor Swift has one bad lyric? <laughs> I mean, yes. Yes, what? I very much am. Yeah, I mean, we had a whole duel and everything. There was. Um... I won, by the way. That's crazy. Only a person not from America would. <laughs> <laughs> So much storytelling. I, I yes. am not a, like a Taylor Swift fan, but I gotta be honest, I did not realize she writes her own songs. Yeah, and that one I was thing. like, okay, I got a little bit more. I, like I can, I In can different that. genres. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm okay. just, I, I just had to put Carly on blast and both of them yeah, because I was, I was yeah. a Swifty by myself here last week, and now the numbers are equal. So you I feel can better. accuse Taylor Swift of a lot of things, but the like, lyrics like, are. Um, can you her on point. Can you accuse her of that that video that she did? Oh. I mean, the video was wrong. Ooh, and I, you know, about... I'm like, come on, you can't go to Africa and not have black people in your video. Come on. Yeah. Also, people who have like colonial fantasies, I'm like, of course you have colonial fantasies because you're white. Like, I don't have colonial fantasies. <laughs> it's a painful time for my people. That's like that's like that. Um, if you can go back to any period. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, black people don't play the time machine game. Like, yeah, you know, but we talked about this actually on Call Your Girlfriend because these girls wrote us in and they were like big Swifties and they were like, whatever. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to indict her entire body of work. Like, you cannot like somebody's work and it doesn't mean that like everything that they've done is garbage. I was like, you know, a rare unforced error for Taylor Swift. <laughs> Tennis time. You know, I'm like, she's not the only one that was complicit in what happened there. The director who made that, um, what's his name? Joseph Kahn. He mm-hmm. made that jumping, jumping video. You know, I'm like, Joseph Kahn, you know black people. Like, how are you going to go to like you know Kenya better, and make a music video? And you be know like, better, sir. That, you know what I mean? I'm like, we thought we could trust you. Yeah. <laughs> so next time you go to a Taylor Swift concert on a private jet, uh-huh. I see you. Uh-huh. Um, please for invite Instagram me. Instagram stalking. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I was at the Julia Roberts Joan Baez show, and yeah. you were at a way better one. I was at Ellen Ooh. DeGeneres no slash Natalie Maines Dixie Chick. Yes. I cried. I like burst into tears. Of course you did. Who wouldn't? Arena shows always make me cry. Like I just, it's, you know, like how there's two places I cry at the airport and that like pop shows that I've paid too much money to be at. I was like, oh, I can't handle this. So I gotta know. From episode 31 of uh, Call Your Girlfriend, you talked about an email that you received in which, uh, was she like a PR person for a nudist camp, reached out to you, and you were completely uninterested, and somehow this woman has opened your mind to perhaps (laughs) attending or going to a nudist camp. So here's the thing. Did you go? I I, I have not gone yet. But the resort is so nice. (laughs) I will be attending Q1 2016. (laughs) Exclusive to the cooler. Fiscal quarter. And I'll be happy to come back and tell you all about nudist culture. I'm like, I don't know about taking your clothes off in front of strangers, but I'm like, look at this place. Free vacation. Shout out Sheila. Aminati, thank you so much for assuming that we're still going to be on the air when that happens. Um, are you kidding? I am rooting for you guys. Thank you so much for having me. This was so Thank fun. Thank you for coming Thank in. You. So well. we end every episode with a song. 
and we were hoping you had one top of mind that we could roll out of this episode. Um, what do you mean, Justin Bieber? <gasps> oh, because it. <laughs> One, I've been a believer since day one. <laughs> Love you forever, Justin. Don't listen to the haters. Justin has great jams. Uh, this song is Tropical EDM. What a time to be alive. Yes. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, Justin is back in a big way. I love this song so much because it's like the redemption of Justin, and it's a great song. They, I listened to it on a loop, and I had to stop listening to it on Spotify because my friends would make fun of me yeah. because it's, you know, like it shows that people. Sidebar. It's all but about that I, private session. I know, but listen, I found uh, a YouTube person who made a one-hour loop. Those people are doing the God, <laughs> like yep. the Lord's work. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. I just put this on and then I'm a happy person. So Also, maybe I think this song is a consent anthem if you listen close enough. Mm. Yeah, he's just trying to figure out. Yeah, he, is, he, he asks every step of the way. And you know, in California, like consent education is very important to us. Mm-hmm. So shout out Justin. <laughs> he's educating the people. Yeah. So let's listen to Justin what Bieber. Do you mean? Thank you, Amina, for coming in. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And thank you to Susie Racho in the booth. Yay. Thank you to David Marcus, who is the executive in charge of arts and our podcast daddy. Yes. I I don't know if he's going to like me calling him that. (laughs) P. Daddy. You better repeat that one over again. P. Daddy. P. Daddy. Okay, there we go. That's what I'm going to call him from now on. He'll he'll be cool with that. Yeah, P. Daddy. That's really chill. And Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs, who Aminatu knows. Yes. Who did our theme music. Yes. Yeah, so we had a lot of titans in this mix. So if you're not listening to this podcast, get your life fool. together. Get fool. damn full. Life. Don't together. sleep on the cooler. Subscribe, mm-hmm. rate us, review us. Sure. Walk like an Anglo-Saxon. <laughs> can we just? Can we just? Like... I cannot believe there's two bangles. Shout out. Twenty fifteen. And see.